Well, hello. It's good to be with you today. And uh, we're in the middle of December. And wherever you happen to be watching this or joining in with this today, uh, I want to welcome you. And I want to ask you to uh, open up your Bibles. We're going to start in Isaiah 9, where we were last week as we started our series on this, this greatest gift series. We're thinking each week through December about some of the gifts that God has given to us in Jesus Christ at Christmas time. And, uh, and last week, we're in Isaiah 9, uh, and we saw there that um, we, uh, we were thinking about the gift of hope. And, and we found that, uh, that Isaiah, as he speaks to the people in a time of gloom and great darkness from chapter 8, he, um, he points them forward to hope that, that is to come. He, he speaks of it so confidently that he speaks of it in the past tense, but it's in the future. Um, and, he, uh, and he speaks about uh, this child that will be born. And, and one of the, the descriptors that he has, one of the names he has for this child is that this child will be the Prince of Peace. And, uh, and today we are going to think about uh, this gift of peace that God gives us in Jesus Christ. Now, Isaiah, he made this birth announcement for this child 700 years ahead of time. Isaiah was way ahead of his time. Uh, just imagine making a, a birth announcement 700 years ahead. But he did. And then as we go through the Old Testament, uh, Micah, uh, a little book in the, in the Old Testament uh, reiterates what Isaiah has said. He is speaking too of a ruler that is going to be born in Bethlehem. Uh, and he says this, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. So Micah as well picks up this idea that this child that is to be born will be a ruler that, um, that Isaiah has described and he will, be, he will bring peace. He will be their peace is Micah's language. And so we come over into the New Testament, into Luke chapter 2, which is where we're going to spend our time today. And as we uh, come into Luke chapter 2, we, we read about the angels um, coming to meet the shepherds. And from verse 6, uh, we have the shepherds and the angels interacting as the shepherds are in the field. Now, we'll, we'll come to some more of this passage next week. But today, I just want to focus on verse 13 and verse 14 as we think about this gift of peace. And this is what the angel says to the shepherds. Uh, in fact, there's a great multitude of angels. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God and peace on earth is what the angels announce here. And as we think about this gift of peace that Jesus represents for us at Christmas time, some of you may feel like that is a slippery concept for the, this season of the year. Uh, maybe there's a whole lot of frenetic activity that is going on for you as the, as the year comes to an end. Living in, in the UK, we didn't have quite the same frenetic activity of the end of the school year and, and the end of the year sort of concept that we have here in Australia. But as all this end of year stuff gets combined in with Christmas stuff, it becomes uh, a busy time. Maybe Christmas for you is a, is a time where you're reminded of fractious relationships. 
maybe there's just a, a whole lot of other pressures that are there for you, and peace feels an elusive concept. I, um, I've got my parents visiting at the moment, and, and it reminds me of, of Christmas on the farm growing up. And, um, and Christmas lunch was uh, something that required plenty of preparation and um, uh, was, a, was a big thing. And uh, mum was very keen that Christmas lunch should be done on time and, uh, and with everything prepared. Anyway, we, uh, we liked cooking with a Weber and we had some meat to cook in the Weber. And uh, this particular Christmas day, uh, dad was having some trouble getting the Weber alight. Uh, maybe he'd left it a little bit late to start getting prepared, but he was under pressure. And he went to light the, light the, fi the fire lighters and get the beads going and they'd gone out. And there was, uh, there was some noises coming from the kitchen, noises indicating that mum wasn't happy with dad and, um, and the speed at which the things were happening, the meat was gonna be late, Christmas lunch was gonna be ruined, and, um, and dad was getting uh, a bit frantic. There was no peace there. And um, the story ended up with the oxy torch being brought down from the shed. The vacuum cleaner working in reverse was tried first. That didn't get things going quickly enough. And I've got this picture somewhere of dad with the oxy torch over the heat beads. And that really did a great job of lighting them up. And uh, the piece of Christmas lunch was restored somewhat. But, you know, perhaps you find yourself wishing that peace was a physical item. You could just sit down, unwrap, and hold it, and it would be yours. But what we see here in God's word is that the gift of peace that God offers is a spiritual reality. It's not a physical gift that he's giving it to us. It's a spiritual gift that he means for us to embrace and as we do so, to have it affect our experience of life. So let's have a look at, uh, at verse 14 there, where we're going to be spending our time this morning. And, um, and we see that it says simply, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. In other words, this gift, this child, this Jesus that has been born here at this time, will bring glory for God and peace for humanity. Those are the two great purposes that, that we see here that the angels are describing that, uh, that God has in this particular case for Jesus Christ, for Jesus coming into the world, that God will be glorified, that peace will be brought to humanity. What do we make, though, of that little phrase at the end of the verse, those with whom he is pleased. What does that mean? Well, as we go through the Gospels, we find over and over again, Jesus reiterates, and then on further in the New Testament, the letters there, that, um, that being part of God's pleasure or God being well pleased with us is not about being descendants of Abraham, as the original hearers would have, would have perhaps thought. It's not about being in the right places, the, the religious leaders there in the temple courts, doing the right things in the right places uh, all the time. Those, those who, uh, who saw themselves as the people of God being in the right places at the right times. And Jesus says, no, it's not about that. 
It's not even about um, ticking all the boxes and uh, doing everything right, keeping all the rules and all the laws. Over and over again, Jesus says, no, it's not about that. Well, well, how is God pleased with us? Well, over and over again in the Gospels, we find that, that Jesus gives his time, gives his attention, and he gives God's pleasure, he gives God's honor to those who realize their need for him. That's all they have to do. Simply to realize their need for him and to put their faith in him and embrace him into their lives. Do you see that as a, as a progression? Realizing need, putting faith, embracing into our lives. You see, the point is, even though God's offer of peace goes out to all, it's the people who receive Christ and trust him as Saviour and Messiah and Lord. Those are the people who experience the peace he brings. I guess it's, it's like a parent. Uh, a parent who, um, who uh, maybe has, has told a child off for, for something and um, there, is, there, is a, there is problems there between the parent and the child. And the parent says to the child, look, I'm offering resolution for you. I'm offering peace in our relationship. You Come to me, give me a hug, say sorry, and it'll be okay. And the child has a choice there. He can, he can stand off with his arms crossed around. I'm not going to do it. Or he can accept the parent's offer that's there for, for him. Go forward, embrace the parent, and have relationship restored. It's a, it's a simple little illustration, but it helps us see what Jesus means here, or what the angels mean, as they say, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So how do you know if you're part of the angel's promise? Well, you welcome the peacemaker. You, you welcome Jesus. Think about peace just for a minute as we, um, as we dwell on that word. You, you can think of it as, as tranquility, you know, the absence of noise or, or activity. Um, you, you might be thinking be, beyond Christmas, maybe. I, sometimes I think beyond Christmas. Christmas will be uh, a busy and eventful time. And I find myself getting to the end of Christmas Day and I, I, I do look forward to the next day. Uh, at about 11 a.m., um, sitting down on the sofa in the lounge room, uh, watching the first session of the Boxing Day test. And, and what helps me enjoy that experience is if it's just peaceful and calm and there's not a whole lot of activity going on around me. That's, that might be your idea of tranquility. Uh, the absence of activity and, and noise. But but as we think about peace, mostly it's a relationship word. It's about, it's about relationships, peace in relationship. And I want to I think about three relationships of peace that we might, uh, might want to think about as a result uh, this Christmas. And the first one is, is peace, with, peace with God. Peace with God. You see, the most basic need we have is peace with God. That is our most basic need because we are his creation. We are his creation made by him, made to be in relationship with him, at peace with him. 
And so peace with him is foundational to all our pursuits of peace. If we don't go there first to peace with God, whatever peace we experience will be superficial and temporary. Have a turn over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. And, um, and we see here this, this foundational nature that, that Jesus Christ brings to peace with God at Christmas time. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, remember I spoke of, of realizing need, exercising faith and embracing, embracing this uh, Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the great news the angels are wanting to get across. This Jesus that has been born will be the means by, by which humans, humans like you and me, can have peace with God. You see, as Jesus lives a perfect life, and then he dies an unjust death on the cross, and he rises back to life to make a way for our rebellion to be dealt with, he means for that to be there for us to embrace. And as we believe that that is the way we have peace with God, as we exercise faith and make it personal for ourselves, we find ourselves being able to experience that peace with God. Five times in the New Testament, he is called the God of peace. And I just want to say, if we want peace to rule in our lives... By implication, that must mean God rules in our lives. Do you get that? If we want peace to rule in our lives, if God is the God of peace, then God must rule in our lives. Christ must rule in our lives. God's purpose is not to give you peace that is separate from himself. God's purpose is to give you peace with himself. And so I want to say, first up, the key to, to peace is keeping together what the angels kept together. Glory to God and peace to man. Hearts that are, hearts that are captured by showing the glory of God, by, by being at peace with God, will know the peace of God. Secondly, peace with God. Secondly, peace with ourselves. And sometimes, perhaps, this is the, the most difficult for us. We find that um, we, we struggle to be what we want to be. We, we just find ourselves unable to be at peace with ourselves or maybe we, we can't, are, are struggling to be at peace with the way we are in, in some situations. We're struggling to be at peace with, with our situation at the moment, being at peace with uh, ourselves. And and I want to just say, this is, this is no small thing. We might, um, we might look, sit back and think, oh, well, I just need to do, you know, a simple thing like have some, have some space and, and I'll be able to be at peace with myself. But over and over again, we find that um, that is not the case. When, we, when we're prepared to stop and think about it, that, uh, that often our hearts and minds are still, are still whirring around and we struggle to have peace with ourselves, even when it should be a tranquil situation in which we experience it. 
Ask yourselves how many times you, you wake up at night thinking about things that, or things that uh, keep you awake at night or, uh, or things make you feel overwhelmed as you start to think about them and, and on and on we can go. And I want to turn us to uh, a verse in the New Testament in Philippians chapter 4 and verses 6 to 7. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 to 7. And, and verse 6 is, is familiar territory, I'm sure, for, for many of you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, um, and that is good. But then verse 7 is what I want to think about today. And I guess... What I want us to understand as we, as we experience peace with God, it, um, it comes flowing out of it. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do, do you see that picture? There's a picture there that our hearts and, and our minds are, are under siege. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's worries, it's, it's threats to our, to our safety or our security or our stability or our, our whatever it may be, our comfort. Maybe it's confusion. Maybe it's uncertainty. All these things, they, they threaten our peace. And Paul is saying that, that God wants us to bring them to him, that he may guard them in a way that goes beyond our understanding. You know, people, people say, well, how can, how can prayer really, really do anything? Well, here's something here that, that, that shows us that, that as we bring things to God, it goes beyond our understanding. It's beyond just logical comprehension. There is something special that goes on for us. And God wants to take these things that threaten our peace to him. And as we do so, he loves to carry them for us. As he carries them, he steadies us from fear and anxiety and guilt and confusions and uncertainties. He steadies us from them. And I want to say he also steadies us in the midst of them. At times, sometimes wonderfully, as we take these things to God, he will relieve us. He will relieve us of them. But sometimes he will take us into them still and he will give us peace in the midst of them. And he means to do that. And so I want to say to you this Christmas time, one of the gifts of God for you at Christmas in Jesus Christ is that he means for you to have peace with yourself. As you bring all the things that that, that burden you, that take your peace away as you bring them to him and leave them with him. He means to give you peace at this Christmas time. So peace with God, peace with ourselves, and then thirdly and finally, peace with others. And um, I guess this is the one we have the least control over. You know, I, I I picture the situation. One one child, um, they've been having a barney with each other, and they're not happy with each other. 
and, um, and the parents bring them together and they say, right, uh, we want you to be at peace with each other and um, uh, we want you to forgive each other so you can be at peace and live in harmony. And, uh, and you picture them sitting there with their arms folded, cranky at each other. I don't want to do that. And one of them says, I'll forgive him only if he forgives me first. I'll make peace with him if he makes peace with me first. And, and, and we don't have any control over that. And that's how it is in human relationships and not just for children, but for adults all over the place. It's relationships with others. It's tricky territory and, and we have the least control over that. And so Paul says <laughs> with careful language in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, this is, uh, this is to make you smile. It's a bit of realism from Paul here. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Notice those qualifiers there. If possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, for some of you, that, that sounds a bit fanciful. Perhaps you... Perhaps you look around in your own situations and you think, oh gosh, there's, there's just hassle, conflict, awkward, frustrating, difficult people everywhere. How am I meant to live peaceably with all? You know, we live in Victoria and in Victoria at the moment, it, it seems that uh, the government is imposing on us a social segregation uh, in the vaccine mandate that, that is pulling society apart rather than pulling us together. And you might look around at that and you might say, well, how are we going to live at peace with all? We, we've, got, we've got people arguing about it over here. They're getting cranky with each other over there. Um, there's all sorts of difficulties, even in the church. Uh, the pe people are being segregated apart. And, and you say in the midst of that, well, how do we live at peace? In the midst of all that, um, I heard of one family um, just a, a week or so ago. And this is something of what is uh, the culture that we're living in just at this time in Victoria. Um, they, uh, they've chosen to, um, to not be vaccinated and um, uh, the, the mother calls up and says, look, um, uh, uh, Dad and I and, uh, and the rest of the siblings, we've, we've had a conversation together and, um, and uh, we, uh, we love you, but we don't want you to be with us at Christmas time because, um, because you're not vaccinated. And that sort of thing just grieves me, but I, I can see that, that all over uh, the state of Victoria in all sorts of different situations at the moment, that is, that is being replicated. And you might look around yourself and wonder, how can we live at peace with everybody in this sort of social segregation that we've got at the moment? You might, uh, you might think about Christmas and think, oh gosh, we've got some big family get together, but there's going to be awkward and painful relationships there. There will, be, there will be memories that, that bring up pain that is, that is old, but it's still there. 
there'll be there'll be new pain that's created and um and what of how am i going to bring peace in the midst of all that you look at it and you wonder what might i do what might be the path of peace there i just want to say that that is that is very real life i also want to say that god's word is not unrealistic either it's not just some starry-eyed optimism fanciful nonsense it's real life and and god means for us to think about what it means for us to live peaceably with all if possible as far as we are able to do it and i want to say um, there's there's two things that we might um, we might apply to ourselves as we think about how we might be able to do this. I, I want to say first of all that that we need to be aware that this is the work of God's Spirit in us. Naturally, we we won't want to be at peace with people. Naturally, we will want to be uh, just getting our own way, doing what we want, getting as much as we want for ourselves. It'll be all about self. But as God comes and lives in us, as we find ourselves at peace with God and peace with ourselves and his spirit is living in us, he empowers us to be something that we are not naturally. His spirit is at work in us. And you go to, you know, go to Galatians chapter 5 as it describes the fruits of the spirit, the evidence of God's spirit in us. And one of those fruits is peace. And so be aware that this is the work of God's spirit. This is what God is wanting to do in you. You are not alone as you seek to live peaceably with all. God is saying to you, I am here with you. My spirit is at work in you. And this is the good I'm meaning to do in you and for you is that you will be seeking to, if possible, live peaceably with, with all. Secondly, I want to urge us to be aware of how much we have been forgiven through Christ. How much it cost for Jesus to bring God's peace to you. Why do I say that? Because if we are aware of the, of the great cost it was for Christ to bring peace to us, if we are aware of, of what an enormous thing God has done to, to, to bring a relationship of peace with us in Christ, to deal with our sin and our guilt and our shame and to put it all away and be at peace with ourselves, if we keep reminding ourselves of that and what a big thing that is, it helps us to be able to deal with the small things with others. Do you get that? If we have a big view of what God has done for us in Christ, it helps us to, to realize that it is a much smaller thing to live at peace with those around us. It is something that God wants to do in us. And in both cases, whether it's being aware of how much we've been forgiven in Christ and how much peace with Christ, peace with God has cost us in Christ, or whether it's being aware that's the work of God's Spirit, in both cases, it, it means that we, that we believe what God word, God's Word says, we believe what God means to be and do for us, and we trust that. And we say, I'm going to believe this, I'm going to trust this today. I'm going to trust it for the glory of God that he may bring peace to me. God offers you this Christmas in Jesus Christ the gift of peace. And my prayer for you is that you will experience it. Maybe it's for the first time. 
Maybe it's in some fresh way. But God means for you to experience his peace this Christmas. Here's his message. Glory. Sorry, I'll turn back there. Luke chapter 2. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that brings us. Thank you for this wonderful gift of peace that we have in Jesus Christ. It's, it's magnificent, Father. To be, to be changed from being against God to being at peace with God and so able to be at peace with ourselves and able to live peaceably with others. What a wonderful gift that is. And God, I pray that you would, you would help us. You would open our eyes and our hearts and our minds today to see it for the wonder it is. And I pray that in the power of your spirit, as we put our faith in you and trust you to do what you've promised to do in our lives, I pray that you would bring us to experience your peace in some fresh way this Christmas time. I thank you, Father. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.